My mama would say, you gotta fight for what is right. To her I would say, I wanna give back the world some light. Hey, good morning, Patriots. Today is Friday, February 9th in the year 2024. It's been quite a week this week, and we are at Friday finally. Last night, if you didn't catch it, we rebroadcast Tucker Carlson's interview with Vladimir Putin, which is probably one of the most historic interviews we've had of our time. An important one indeed to listen to and listen to in full. Russia is a very historical nation. And it's something we are not. So it's difficult, even in the post-review by Tucker of his own work, it's evident that, and he's fairly transparent about it, 
we as Americans just don't have an appreciation for older cultures. We have an impatience for it. We have a naivety and a general level of ignorance as to the importance of history, even though we say we study our histories, and we don't. And it's an important reference point to understand when you're dealing with older world cultures, you have to work in a context of their historical paradigm to come to a greater understanding of who they are. And kind of the summations of things about Russia, there's a few things that people fail to understand. Russia has historically been a country concerned about its borders and its invasions. Those invasions have come from two different flanks primarily. One was Genghis Khan that moved from China across the lower part of Russia, and the other was the incursions from the West that go back very far and the wars that were being fought on its border on what we now call Eastern Europe. When you start to understand that and understand Russia's vision on this, it was designed, it was a country that works very hard at protecting its borders and its traditional lands. We don't respect that as a nation, but I would put this in context. One of the arguments that Putin makes and made last night in the interview, which was documented and handed documents handed to Tucker Carlson, which were from the archives that go back to the 1600s. It would be on par with, say, Pennsylvania being taken over by Canada and England and then making a fit that we wanted to reclaim Pennsylvania as part of our original territories in our nation. We would have a right to that. And that's essentially the, the core argument in Ukraine, which whether you agree with it or not, I mean, I, I do agree with where Putin stands on this. Not to mention the fact that Putin has been fighting Nazis, which has been a very hard red pill for most Americans to digest, especially since they haven't yet come to the grips in this nation that we are run by Nazis, and the origins of most of that take us back to Operation Paperclip. So that's kind of the summation from last night, and I'm going to talk more about that here in just a moment. Patriots, one thing that we have to be very conscious of is the pressure that is upon us financially in this time, and it is a big deal. There's That comes in a couple of forms, and one of those is the forms of us incurring debt. Now, the, the problem with debt is it separates us from our ability to connect ultimately in our sense of who we are. Our debt becomes an obsessive thing. It takes you over on a daily basis. It um, We start to watch money just evaporate with high interest rates. Debt becomes one of those things we become dependent on. It's a pretty heavy issue. And once you get into those cycles, it's very hard to break. We have a new sponsor. It's called Done With Debt. And it is literally a place to reestablish your foundations on a debt-free life. And, that, and it can really become a lifeline for you, especially if you're struggling with debt. They have some ingenious new strategies to help you get rid of your debt faster and easier and than you've ever thought possible, as well as a way to the way they analyze your debt and the sort of programs that you qualify for that helps you reduce your bills, helps you cut interest rates, and helps you deal with a lot of the issues that deal with debt, especially with their staff and negotiators as they try to bring down the the level of your debt and keep and avoid having to face bankruptcy. Uh, I would encourage you to check them out. They're it's called donewithdebt.com, donewithdebt.com. That's donewithdebt.com. They're a 
great outfit. We've spent some time trying to locate one that's has strong basis and what I'm pleased with. I think it's an important service offering here, especially as we're trying to free ourselves from debt and get into a place where we as a, are we are free from that and working into a an environment where that burden doesn't separate us in everything we do. Unfortunately, the burdens of debt can separate us deeply, even from our faith. So check it out, donewithdebt.com, donewithdebt.com. I think it'll be worth your investigation. If you're having issues, give them a call. The interview last night was important, and it puts things a lot in context of a nation of where we are. We have not had a conversation with President Putin in the public space for years. In fact, when President Trump attempted to have that conversation, they eviscerated him, and it came from the neocons initially. All of this roots back to something called the Project for the New American Century, which was actually um, started, it was a nonprofit that was started back in 1997. The principal issue of this was how to basically take over the world and use the American military might as a hand puppet for the deep state objectives of subjecting the world to the wills of a dollar-based fiat debt currency and to enslave them. Russia didn't play, and that's been one of the problems. And in fact, as it came out in the discussion last night, which to Tucker's discredit, to be very honest, I, he never brought this up and should have, because it's a critical aspect to understand even in his post-analysis, he didn't bring this up. This is a very critical aspect to understand where Putin is coming from when he re- discusses in his interview last night about being rejected from the off- the question of should can Russia join NATO. Now, there is a, you can see it in the interview, there is a pretty emotional reaction that Putin gives to that response when he was given no, and he's pretty intense about the rejection from the West. And... Rightfully so, because there has not been a willful hand towards Russia. We had an opportunity when the uh, wall fell and when the formation of the Soviet Union collapsed to step in and to be partners in a world. Foolishly, we walked away from that moment. Because our arrogance has always, that our leadership has been that we are better than everybody else, that we can control everybody else, and we can fight and destroy everybody else. That's obviously proven not to be true. They, I think in a deeper part of this, there was probably even a worse objective, which is we needed, they needed to financially use the resources of America to destroy other nations, to create a world of instability, which I think we can see fairly well now from a lens looking backwards, and use that principles of the Project for a New American Century to de- develop the plan to destabilize a world so that now we could enter into this formation for a new world order. Again, Russia didn't play. Russia wanted to has wanted to maintain its sovereignty. It has broken from central banking and it has established a country that is its economy is bigger than Europe's now, even though we sanctioned them literally or tried to sanction them to death. We've played every card now to Russia except the nuclear card to and we've done everything we can to try to invoke a nuclear war or infuse in the mindset of an acceptance worse than that of the American public that we need to have a nuclear war with Russia. American public has uh, become educated by the TV and by mainstream media. The main education system in our country is broken, and it becomes extremely evident when you sit and listen to the interview with Putin. 
Putin recites a history at the beginning of that interview that dates back a thousand plus years, and he does it with great precision. The problem with the American mind is that we don't even know our own history, and let, not only do we not know it, we're willfully letting a group of woke fools rewrite our history and try to shame our history into non-existence. This is how fascism gets root and how tyrannies take hold when people sit quietly by and allow that to happen. I said at the end of the show last night as I made some commentary after the Tucker interview, we essentially only need a few things to teach our children. One is a Bible, which I would recommend a founder's Bible. One is, the other is our founding documents. And then you would need some geographical maps to teach geographical history, which is get you into geopolitical history. And then from there, you can start to build a pretty good education system for a child. Add some math, it's good. That sort of foundation doesn't even exist in the United States. And it's been taken out of schools. When I went to school, when I was in middle school, we had mandatory civics class, and we had a profound teacher, uh, Mr. Friedman, who was a World War II veteran. Talk about somebody who found it impassioned to teach children civics, teaches young students civics. We learn civics, and we learn civics hard. We don't teach that. We don't teach. We don't know the workings of our government. We don't understand the origins of our country as a as a general whole. And so, it's very easy when you take people out of their historical roots that we begin to be able to look at the world and say, we're better than you and ignore the great developments around the world and as well be humbled by what we have. We have spoiled, we have been spoiled by a country that has been seemingly very safe while we have created enemies at the gate all over the place. And in this last period of time, which really outside of President Trump's four years, since Bush won, we have been on a warmongering path in this world to try to subdue the world but to our hand, and we're now reaping the rewards of that. And that is ultimately the place where we come back to the book of Habakkuk and understanding that there is a cost for having been arrogant and walking away from God and that the hordes are now pouring into our gate. I want to play a piece here by Greg Reese, which I think sets a really good context to the backdrop of what gives you some context to where modern Russia is. And it's all about us and our crazy psychopathic fools that thought they could rule the world with our blood in our of our young in uniform. On January 16th of 1991, as the Soviet Union was collapsing and the Cold War coming to an end, George H.W. Bush publicly announced a new campaign of American dominance, which he called the New World Order. This is an historic moment. We have in this past year made great progress in ending the long era of conflict and Cold War. We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order, a world where the rule of law not the law of the jungle, governs the conduct of nations. When we are successful, and we will be, we have a real chance at this new world order, an order in which a credible United Nations can use its peacekeeping role to fulfill the promise and vision of the UN's founders. Vladimir Putin told Oliver Stone that in the year 2000, he asked President Clinton if Russia could join NATO. 
which he said made the American delegation very nervous. They were not interested in world peace. They had different plans. In 1997, the project for the New American Century was founded by William Crystal and Victoria Newland's husband, Robert Kagan. In September of 2000, they published their agenda entitled Rebuilding America's Defenses, which outlined an ambitious and aggressive plan to achieve world dominance, starting in the Middle East and ending with Russia. The document acknowledged the fact that their world domination efforts would trouble American allies and could therefore be a long process absent some catastrophic and catalyzing event, like a new Pearl Harbor. A year after publishing this, 2,000 people were murdered in the World Trade Center and blamed on a small terrorist group created by the CIA. And with this catastrophic and catalyzing event, the plan for a new American century went into action. About 10 days after 9-11, I went through the Pentagon, and one of the generals called me, and he says, we've made the decision we're going to war with Iraq. This was on or about the 20th of September. I said, we're going to war with Iraq? Why? He said, I don't know. So I came back to see him a few weeks later, and by that time we were bombing in Afghanistan. I said, are we still going to war with Iraq? And he said, oh, it's worse than that. He said, I just got this down from upstairs, meaning the Secretary of Defense office today, and he said, this is a memo that describes how we're gonna take out seven countries in five years, starting with Iraq and then Syria, Lebanon, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and finishing off Iran. George H.W. Bush's son, George W., began a propaganda campaign to sell the American public on overthrowing Iraq. I take the threat very seriously. I take the fact that he develops weapons of mass destruction very seriously. Either you are with us or you are with the terrorists. When the lies became obvious, George W. made jokes while reveling in the blood of the innocent. Those weapons of mass destruction got to be somewhere. <laughs> nope, no weapons over there. Secretary of State Madeleine Albright said that murdering millions of Iraqi children was worth it. We have heard that a half a million children have died. I mean, that's more children then died when, when, in, in Hiroshima. And, and, you know, is the price worth it? I think this is a very hard choice, but the price, we think the price is worth it. The power-hungry cabal, made up of close-knit families who practice multi-generational child abuse and mass mind control, began overthrowing sovereign nations and murdering innocent civilians became the new norm for U.S. foreign policy. But their plan for global domination was failing, and starting in 2020, with the COVID scam, they began targeting U.S. citizens. They have become desperate, and they are going for broke, slaughtering innocent Palestinians to spark a war with Iran, and sacrificing the people of Ukraine to hopelessly take on Russia. These inbred families are getting old, and they are fighting for their lives. There is too much at stake for them to ever give up which makes them more dangerous than ever. But they are few, and we are many, and they must be stopped. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. This is, a, it was a great report. By the way, that was done before the Tucker Carlson interview.
And I say that because Putin discusses this exact event about Clinton rejecting their offer of joining NATO. This is a real critical issue and a moment in time for us as a nation to start realizing what's at stake. On our southern border, for all the noise about National Guard and for all the noise about the uh, sealing of the border in Texas, that's yet another scam that's going on. And we are sealing a mass invasion of our nation, which will, it's kind of their burn scorched earth policy, which is at the end of the day designed to transform us in a way that we will never recover. These people are hateful. They've hated everything we've stood for because they hate people that have freedom. And they hate people that want sovereignty like Putin. You start to see that and you start to realize that in between Russia and in between us is a group of psychopath elites that are running the banks of the world that want nothing more than to see the people subjugated to their will. This is a post here by Armchair Warlord. And this is a reference to Iraq and talking about the uh, situation in Iraq. And it says, if you want to know what fail failure looks like, question mark, 20 effing years ago, and we're still worried about IEDs on route Irish from Baghdad International Airport to the embassy downtown. Imagine if we'd still be worried about kamikaze attacks off Okinawa in 1965. This is the magnitude of our, in a very simple lens, of our policy of failure across the world. The Taliban are back in control in Afghanistan. There's IEDs everywhere still in Iraq. We have destabilized governments at a mass level. We've infused war. We have killed children and all of this with American technologies. So this also gets us back to kind of the Q myth, which I talk about, and that whole concept of the military is gonna make things great again. We're dealing with a military whose leadership has mandated a level of pain um, and terror upon its own soldiers that you are learning through these interviews with the DMA that is beyond scope. The methods that the military used on our own soldiers to, to force the vaccination were not only illegal, they were trending in many points towards the ideas of non-conventional interrogation or alternative interrogation methods to try to physically break the will of soldiers to force compliance and to do everything they could to force young soldiers to take an injection. That disaster has only gotten worse, by the way. And that disaster is one that is we're seeing rises in our military ranks like everywhere else with spikes in myocarditis, heart failure, and many other issues, especially just within the pilot ranks, let alone within the field ranks. So our military is broken. They've accomplished that. We do not have any sense of readiness. And in fact, if we were to have to go to war, I would argue that probably 30% of our force would be inoperable very quickly on just by the stress and the damage caused by the vax, and it could be worse. Our wreckage across the world is becoming more evident for people to see. And at the same time, we have an influx of illegal aliens coming across the border at an unbelievable level, which is changing the geopolitics of our nation. This piece here is uh, from a former leftist, and his name is Stephen Smith. I want you to hear this. Hang on. So you can pick and choose. What it came down to for me is this. I see 
homeless folks in the streets of New York all the time that are American citizens. I damn sure see them in California. We've got poor, impoverished, starving people who were born and raised in this nation. How in the hell do we come up with a $53 million pilot program for illegals But folks who are here legally are born here. We don't have enough for them. Just like we could come up with billions for Ukraine. But somehow, some way, we can't fix the homeless problem. I'm down for helping Israel. I'm down for helping address the situations with the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Okay? I'm down for helping the Ukrainians and fighting off Russia. What about poor and desolate citizens here? How the hell do you print money for foreign countries? But you don't print that money to help eradicate folks that are starving right here in the streets of America who were born and raised here. This is what I'm talking about. And so when you have something like that, what's the one way to eradicate it? Yes, you got to have a flourishing economy. Yes, you can't have inflation. Yes, you can't be on the verge of a recession. Milk don't need to cost $7. Bread don't need to cost $5. Don't get me started with how much sugar costs. You can talk about employment all you want to. You can talk about the labor participation rate. But guess what? If you ain't making no damn money and you got to get two jobs to pay the same prices or to buy the same amount of stuff that you used to buy and the price is higher than it used to be because of inflation, then guess what? What are you really accomplishing? That's why Trump is on the verge of getting elected, reelected. Because when he was in office, there was a flourishing economy. True statement. But it doesn't, it's not going to be solved by Trump. And I think this is the part that we keep having to default to there is an effort obviously in a peaceful and civil way to retake the form of our government with people that are more energized towards being engaged in a republic and i think there's a lot of hope to there and i don't want to dash that but the bottom line is that we're not going to be able to to retake a nation if we're not retaking it at the local level these issues that we are constantly dealing with and struggling with we at homeless and immigration we're having to face them at a local level, and the federal government isn't going to fix that. And it's then it's the other issues of the bigger structural issues of America, of asking yourselves, when are we going to come to grips with the fact that the federal government is literally against us? How do we end up with a society? And I say this so many times, and it still puzzles me. How do we end up with a society that trusts big pharma more than it trusts God? How do we end up with a society that trusts big government more than it trusts God? And how do we end up with so many people willfully walking down off that plank and into the pits of hell? Until this nation is truly broken, unfortunately, we are not going to see a big change. And I don't wish that upon a nation. Russia is where it is today because it was broken. We broke Russia. Let's be clear. We broke the USSR. We competed with them and led them into a financial trap and ultimately drove that economy into bankruptcy. But don't fool yourself. The economy suffered, the people suffered, the government became destabilized, but the banksters won as they always win because they played both sides. The banksters that were funding Russia in their own ways were funding us, and they pitted two big nations against each other, and they broke Russia, the USSR. I'm not a fan of the USSR in any way. Their leadership was brutal. 
But nonetheless, that's what broke it. So we end up into Glasnost, which was the last period of, the, of that, and the opening up of the economy, which was under Gorbachev. And that economy then, as it when it's opened, it finally, the government rescinded, Putin went into some of that last night. The wall fell, which is the symbolic moment when the Eastern Bloc wall around Berlin fell, and everything began to open. And there was an, an, an exuberance, I think, across the world of thinking that these markets would now open and as a people we would begin to come together. But that's not what happened. Russia was punished the same way that Washington and the Northern punished the South after the Civil War, which Reconstruction after Lincoln didn't happen. Lincoln was believed in, an, in a forgiveness and a unification of the country. That is not what happened. Instead, they turned Reconstruction into a punishment of the South. Let them live in poverty, let them live in suffering for dare questioning the authority of the federal, which was based in D.C. And so Russia was suffering, suffered through a horrific period of being brutalized for years to the point the economy was so broken you could buy tanks for 10 cents on a dollar or worse. And you could buy, this is where many of our private militaries arose because they could go into Russia and buy whole weapon systems and whole fleets of everything to privately own and then use to build private armies. But it got worse because the Russian families became so desperate that they began to push their young girls off to marriage to hopefully get a better life in the West. This is where the, one of the greatest criminal organizations took root in a bigger way on a global level, and that was the human sex trafficking. Russian girls became one of the greatest commodities for human sex trafficking, and it became a backbone of American power and American consumption. Let's be clear. The greatest consumers of pornography and of that benefit, quote-unquote, for American perversion which was the broken Russian economy, was digested here. And as the church continued to decline, pornography continued to rise. So our me culture, material culture, pornography culture spiked. These are harsh realities. And as a nation, if we don't start coming to grips with this and owning this, we're never going to get anywhere. We can take our roots back to Kinsey and Stanger, which we can do, which were great efforts to change the laws, which they did, Kinsey did, change the laws to create sexual perversion being allowable within the within our bedrooms, literally. Moving it forward to Stanger, who pushed basically, essentially was this whole impetus behind birth control, Planned Parenthood, abortion. Look at the destruction of the American family. And then you, you replace that conventional morality, solid morality with perversion, with pornography. And as you pressure economies down, and you start to put weight on people and the family starts to disrupt, divorce becomes common, you then, you then push in this idea that, well, you can marry anybody you want, so it's too difficult to have a marriage and you use the divorce rate concept, which is really more a function of cultural degradation, and you start convincing people and youth that they need to start having sex with one another, the reprobate mind, in the true sense of not just a 60s love culture, but now let's make it same-same sex and let's elevate that group of people, which is a minority, by the way, to make them the majority voice for the nation. That coup d'etat happened under, under Obama in 2008 when suddenly, as they broke the back of the, of the main working-class male in this nation with the financial collapse in 2007, they then brought into the arena the new players of control. They brought in 
black culture, which they all they did was impoverish black culture more by pushing in all this nonsense of owning cars and owning big big escalades, the bling of their culture that empowered them to take their money, which they had many had still been keeping at home away and afraid of banks and indebted themselves. So they again they enslaved black culture again for yet another round, which is like the third time. They took the women from the home and gave and empowered them who had been traditionally the savers and the nurturers in the home, forced them into the workforce, which means you're going to have a declined birth rate. That's a eugenics model right there, by the way. And it gives an inversion to the way society was intended to work, which puts men and women in conflict and humiliates the man even more. Women now become the brain bread burners. They are the breadwinners for the family and they're using the savings that were being set aside which women typically do now for the main luxury item purchases and then you take your third group the gay and lesbian community which now has been expanded to an alphabet soup which i can't even speak lgbtqai plus something or other nonsense where literally you stick the pedophiles and you stick the perverts and you stick the mentally deranged and you pack them all in around a rainbow flag that these idiots need are so deprived of recognition that they have to be recognized for their sexuality because at the core of every person who's gay, lesbian, and in this LGBTQ movement, they are so insecure about who they are. Their only identity is their sex and what they do in the bedroom. And you give them power. And we have. And so now when you look across this nation and every single place you see one of those perverted flags, including our churches, consider that occupied territory because it's not friendly to you and I. All of this period as we're going through this in total collapse comes from this whole concept, which was mapped out in the project for the new American century. Not that it was mapped out on us. It was mapped. It became a consequence of it because their world dominance strategy failed. So the only thing they had left was to destroy this nation, depopulate this nation, which that's the final coup. We see that happened last year in or in 2020 when they began with this fake pandemic to eradicate a culture and then to rebuild it in a true fascist Nazi sense where Planned Parenthood becomes birthing centers and children are birthed in mass. This is communism in this new world vision. So what is, what is it that makes America great? I think this is the question. And if make America great is going to be defined by your 401k and your banking savings account and an economy where everybody can now buy more junk, if you think for half a second that's going to change us, you're wrong. The only thing that's going to change in this nation is if we start to have a moral shift. What does Putin do that makes these West so angry? Considering that almost every single person in D.C. either knows somebody in their family, has somebody in their family, or is themselves a, a gender flip. Most everybody in D.C. has had sex with same sex and perverted sex of some fashion because that's what controls them. And almost every single person in D.C. in one way or another has been part or parcel, especially if they're in power, leveraged by sexual perversion that includes children. That's the culture that runs our country. So you have a president in Russia who is a strong leader, openly states his opposition to anything other than man and a woman. There's only two sexes. He rejects it. He's lifted up a nation again that are strong. And of course, the loudest, the people that are screaming loudest and want to take us to war in nuclear fashion with Russia are the ones 
that support having her genitals cut off and having sex with her same-sex partner in, in the bedroom. Those are the people driving this engine. You have to start seeing this. We're looking at the war of evils, and we're the center of evil, and Russia, in, oh, I'm not painting, overpainting what they're doing, but they're at least a beacon of hope for the world that somebody's got the stone strong enough to stand up against this perversion that apparently America can't. Back to our border. I mean, there's footage that's come out, and I can play this short piece, but it's it's amazing that it's while all this is happening, we're being invaded, and it's invasions by a large degree. And so we're not doing anything about it. America is sitting here on the sidelines, and we're wondering, you know, what's going to happen to our nation? Take a listen to this minute piece. This is down at the border where the National Guard is literally letting in people by droves. They're just now letting them in. The post says, treason taking place. This is Wall Street apes. National Guardsmen tell Anna Perez that they've been given orders to let illegal aliens in America without questioning them. Here's a piece. Now the National Guard members are corralling or are uh, getting them together to uh, be sent out. Enjoy your free cell phones and everything else that we give you for free. I hope these children aren't trafficked. I mean, like, maybe if you guys did your job and didn't let them in, it wouldn't have to happen. Yeah, to let them in, I'm sure. I thought you guys weren't supposed to weigh in. Are you, you're, on, you're under orders to let them in? You just said that? So you're doing your job by letting these people in, letting them destroy this country, letting children be sex trafficked. No, you, you weighed in. The idea right now of following orders is wearing thin, and I'm just obeying the rules. It's wearing thin. We saw this in COVID-con. We're seeing it now at the border. What we're seeing is a morally bankrupt nation that has no pride in what we are. People put on the uniform for all the wrong reasons, and ultimately, we don't have people that are standing up for the right things. Now, this is a heavy conversation this morning, and, it, and it, we could leave this and say, well, we're over. We're done. What are we going to do? This is like, if you don't have strong faith, I'm going to be really honest, these types of conversations will put somebody right to the edge of suicide and giving up. So don't go there. This fight is bigger than us. It anchors itself in our faith, but it also anchors ourselves in local action. And it has to be painted to understand the magnitude of what we're dealing with. If you have your children in public school, you are, doing your, you are preparing your children to a service, servitude of an enslaved nation. Get them out. If you have cast your parents out into retirement homes to let the state take care of them, you've walked away from an obligation in a family that we all need to have. That doesn't set well with people when I say these things any more than it sets well with people that get back to a moral base in your nation, in your home, even down to the bedroom. People don't like this. And they don't because they are going to give a thousand excuses of why they can't do something. But our nation has to reset itself within the home at the most fundamental levels at the root to reset this moral base. And if we're going to truly be what God intended us to be, what offered us to be, 
a nation of people, a will of the people by and for the people, that means that we have to be morally grounded and rooted. That all of this perversion that is in our culture that ends up being the candy that everybody attracts to, pornography. If you have a pornography problem, get over it, stop. And we like to give long excuses and long things. We deal with inner woundings right now. Inner healings is a big issue. People have been traumatized as a child. Okay, got it. What are you going to do about it? Because the problem we have is that so much of our culture is waiting for somebody to fix it for them. I can tell you that part of the part of the issue with the DMA, it's a great document. Declaration of Military Accountability, 231 people that signed out, standing up, signed on, standing up against the military. As you learn about these people, they are excel, excellent, high performers. Some of the best we've ever had in our service were pushed out. And that was done by design because what they want is they want obedient fools walking within the uniform so they can turn that military on the public of the United States willfully. That's why they're offering it to illegals as a fast track to get them into a citizenship because they have no anchor and no nothing at stake with our Constitution. They just want the free stuff. They want, to, they want the salary. And so if they're told to be obedient to a system that gave them citizenship, you guarantee they will be obedient to that system against the Constitution. Guarantee it. That should concern people. But we all have to start making a change in accountability to getting this nation back to a moral center. Our news, our media, everything around us is saturated with the sexuality of a culture that has nothing to do with who we are. Listen to Putin last night. Listen to the root of what is important to him, the history of his nation, his people, their welfare, the preservation of their language. Those are root issues. Though he didn't get into it in that interview, he's been very clear on his State of the Union speeches that there is, he doesn't deal with his pedophile culture of the West, where pedophilia is becoming mainstream. He's been very clear about that. He preserves and fights for families. And I can't even give Trump that credit right now because he's the one that's been pandering to the LGBTQ movement and the gay community to come down to Mar-a-Lago and give fuel for his party of, the, of his version of the Republican Party. There has to be some hard moral lines that we reset. And it is something that is going to be very hard in a culture that is pushing kids to go a different way. But our perversion's deep because once we start to get into those perversions, everything starts to fall apart. And our nation is lacking a moral shift. We are not going to win the war if we don't win the battle of moral reset. And that's the hardest one to fight. And that means bringing it to the surface. It means challenging people. It means going to a level of demanding an accountability, even in our sexual practices, that's beyond anything we've ever seen in our lifetime. It didn't used to be that way, but it is now. We have to go back pre-1960s and undo that nonsense and that mess and start realizing what it has done to us. We are in a very difficult time because there is so much attempt to include. We're so concerned about offending. We're so concerned about standing up for what's right and being singled out. And we're still there. We're seeing the, the separation and the, the wheat and the shaft happening across our country. We're, we're seeing that. The wheat and the shaft is being separated to where we're seeing those of true believing and prayer strength standing in. And I agree with this. It's wonderful. But it leaves behind a large number of people here that are still wandering in the desert and the abyss of moral corruption. 
You're going to have pastors that are going to argue against you saying that we shouldn't have the right to talk about what anybody does in their bedroom. That's free will. They'll tell you that. They'll tell you that there's no foundation scripturally to argue that. And the question I ask is then why is it was it so well grounded in our culture before 1960s? Everything comes back to a root in this nation, believe it or not, to sexuality. And this is the problem because through the sexuality is where you generate this insanity of child sex trafficking. It's where you develop the psychopaths that have been sexually abused that are willing to take the world to the state of war. And it's through sexual abuse and trafficking that you can create the whole culture of dependency on illegal drugs because they need to escape this damage and pain. Add to that layers of other craziness like financial ruin and overburdensome of taxes and you keep beating people down and they literally walk through a morass of destruction that they can't find their way out of. And at the root of it is there's a solution and it's not hard, but it hits, it's itself is the center of this entire fight, which is the destruction of the Christian faith. At the root of salvation sits Jesus. And all of this is a simple, simple thing. We have churches that can't see across the aisle without hating each other for what reason or not. And the message that is being pushed at churches, too many of them, is this inclusion of all things and not getting to the root of what the message of Christ is. And ultimately, there comes to be some very hard lines and where we have to start walking and taking that message of the gospel into the world. It's a reminder that we have to face every single day, all of us, because our, the word of God is the one thing that will bring this nation back. Putin referenced his faith a number of times last night. I'm not claiming he's a man of great salvation and faith. I don't know him. What I do know is he's pushed and allowed and encouraged the building of churches across his nation or Russian Orthodox churches across the nation. They restored the main Russian Orthodox temple, the cathedral in, in Moscow, one of his first acts as presidency. He understands the importance of faith, and he even ended the conversation last night, the entire interview with the principle that you cannot separate these people. You cannot separate the soul from the people. We have to get back to being American again. And I hope that this interview that Tucker does allows people to reflect on who we are. We have to provide context to understand that what Tucker was looking at and what Putin is saying has a great deal of implication here to what we are as a nation now. That we're not that nation that we used to be. We have to come to the hard realization as we have, but in a large, much larger level, that the things that we've become attracted to have been the distractions to keep us away from what is really root and core to who we are. And when we can get back to that place of saying, okay, I'm dedicating myself every day in the word, and I'm dedicating myself every day in, in my faith, and I'm going to give to my nation in different ways. I'm going to serve my nation, not just in uniform, but in service. We start to give ourselves to a selfless walk in this place where we no longer have to see ourselves as going to war to define ourselves, to destroy some innocent country or eradicate children off the face of the planet because of some neocon fool. We have to get back to truly being what we are. We have to worry about ourselves first. 
We can bring back the military from every base around the world as far as I'm concerned. Let the world do its thing for a while. We've got to seal up our borders. We have to clean up the inside. We've got to get our self-reset. We have to crush, crush this LGBTQAI plus culture. Crush it. It can no longer exist in this nation. You have to go back to Kinsey to realize what Kinsey did with Aleister Crowley to work together in the satanic level to legalize what is now considered LGBTQ culture. And go back to understanding how those things were seen and why they're important spiritually and why it's important for the demonic war that's been waged against us. We have to get, we have to mature. And that means we have to start realizing that as a country, we have to step into the realm, another level of accepting a walk in the spirit first, not a walk for the desires of pleasure, sexual pleasure and pleasures of the flesh. And that's what this whole world in our country has been built around, which has been around the satisfaction of the pleasures of the flesh. So what's it going to take to wake this country up? We know one thing that works, that will work, and that would be an experience with Jesus. And we'll pray into that. And I hope that we can have, God will grant us that because that's mercy. But there's another part of this that might be worse. And that is having to face the consequences of allowing a mass exodus of people into from their country into ours with open borders and not having people do the morally right thing, the thing they swore the oath to the Constitution to stand and hold the line. If having too many Americans step on the side and waiting for someone else to do it for them. We may end up having to learn that lesson. And it's not going to be an easy one. But it's one we have to face. One way or the other. Patriots, there's a lot of hope within all of this, but it's not going to be hope without the hand and the works in faith. I have no question, as we say every day, that God wins this. He will. But as I always remind myself every day, God won the flood too, but all was left was Noah and his family. We as a nation will rise again in one form or another, but we're going to go through a very bumpy road here because too many people have found their place in sitting on the side. And so again, it falls to a remnant to lift them up. That's the 3%, probably less of a percentage now, but 3% of the Revolutionary War that it was 3% that led this nation. And it's going to take that again. And it's going to take some real hard discussions, and it has to take a stronger backbone, and it has to take an ability to speak truth even when people don't want you to hear it. And I will just tell you, even, even in this channel here, these messages that I've delivered here over the last five years, there's been many that just shock me to how viscerally hateful, hateful they become for people when in fact they're led by God. So it amazes me because people don't want their little apple pie to serve disrupted. They want to have everything and yet not realizing we're about ready to lose everything because of it. And there's a certain strictness that has to start happening in our life, a discipline that's a regiment it starts to realize that if we don't willfully accept that walk, we're going to lose a lot, and it's going to be a long walk back. Romans one eighteen to thirty two. Letting God letting us go to the reprobate mind. Read it. It's we're here. Now, how do we get out of it? We get out of it through prayer, through worship, through obedience, 
and through letting God understand very clearly that there is a remnant now that will take the burdens of a nation and we will move forward and we will at any cost to restore this nation back with him on the throne. Let's pray. Before we go this morning, uh, let me, before we pray, let me remind you tomorrow, uh, if you go on over to resistancechicks.com in Indiana, Michelle and Leah are running the Dan Patch Revival. It's a big event. It's going to be a good event. I would encourage you to go. We're going to pray on it the first thing this morning as we begin our prayers. There's a lot of spiritual warfare going on down there in Indiana. It's also Indiana's the home of Alfred Kinsey, which was the one who created, basically he was the first mainstream pedophile that created all the data that changed our laws to allow this perversion of LGBTQ where we are today. That's a simple snapshot. So they're also rallying to pray against that. I would encourage you to go if you are in the area. I think it's really powerful. I think it'll be a very powerful event. And so we'll pray on that this morning and um, go from there. Father God, I just want to thank you this morning for this time we've had. And these are difficult times in which we face. They are, they're difficult times to have to face a reality of where we've come as a nation. That's looking in the mirror. And part of that is to start to uncover some of the principalities that have now taken root in our nation to start to understand that we're truly in a spiritual war. That as much as we like to talk geopolitics and we like to talk political change, that at the root of everything comes the spiritual fight that we have to still succeed in. Father, I just want to begin our prayer today with a blessing and a, a hedge of protection around all of those that are traveling to the Dan Patch Revival that is being led by Resistance Chicks, Michelle and Leah. We just pray a blessing over them. We pray an, an, an insight and in, in the powers and anointings to lead a revival, not only to lead people to Christ, but to lift them up and to baptize them not only in water, but in fire and to bring about a point here where people can be delivered and then to raise up a small army to stand and pray against the principality that now sits over Indiana, a principality that is powerful, it's strong, it is, it has rooted itself in the abuse and torture of children. It's rooted itself into the origins of Alfred Kinsey and the roots of sexual torture and manipulation that have ultimately corrupted us from the family down to the bed in our bedrooms. And so, Father, we just pray that this will be a, a blessed event and we pray all the success that you can profitably provide that it's, this will shake the root of a very dark evil that took root in our nation, that changed so much, that led us to the sexual revolution, that led us to the destruction of the family. And so this is a, this is a rally to reset the root, to cleanse the root down to the core. We pray into this in a powerful way. We pray into any of the forces that have taken control in that space, the corruption of hearts, the universities that kill still support that sort of work. And we break the chains and bonds of that which has surrounded it, which has been rooted in the exploitation of children. May we see a blessing come out of this in an amazing way in Dan Patch, in the Dan Patch revival, to lift that state up and to start to dethrone the darkness and to raise up the hearts of those that truly walk with you. Father, in this time, we just need to root ourselves more deeply into our histories. That begins with the Bible, goes to our nation's histories, to encourage people to know who we are, what was given to us, 
what the challenges are ahead to come together and have real conversations, not emotional conversations, but conversations where we always press into the Spirit, that we find solutions through Holy Spirit, not solutions through our heart and emotions. And so, Father, we, we pray that across all that listen to this this morning. We lift up those that are praying. We lift up the voice of the remnant. And we place this before for anybody to join in on this. The Father, as a part of the remnant, will bear the burdens of this nation. And we pray mercy for this nation. And with that, we pray the mercy that will come in the form of an experience, an encounter with Jesus himself. That every single person in this nation will have an encounter with Jesus. To encounter the heart of our King, the warrior King, and his compassion, his forgiveness, his love, but also his might. And to make this a moment where this nation begins to awake and weep for where we have gone and to arise to realize where we can go if we simply submit ourselves to you. So, Father, we pray mercy on this nation, a nation that has deeply wandered, a nation that has become led by sexualized pedophile elites, a nation that finds that its fleshly pleasures are more important than its spiritual roots, a nation that needs to be shaken. And we pray for that shaking. But we also pray for the mercy because we know and are very aware and humble humble to the point of a, a, a very trembling reality of your wrath. And so, Father, we humble ourselves before you. And we pray for our our own repentance and ask that you'll reveal those things to us that we need to work on to to reset ourselves and to constantly purify ourselves so that we can walk closer to the throne and to keep ourselves on that path of a kingdom path, not a path of the corrupted matrix and to set, separate ourselves in such a mighty way that we can truly proclaim that we are children of the most high. Bless us and guide us in Christ Jesus name. Amen. Well, Patriots, a lot to reflect on and a lot to do. And it's, it's the real, it's, the tr- it's where we walk in truth. It's a wonderful thing to be able to not have to deal with these things on a daily basis. Unfortunately, we've done that way too long as a nation. Collectively as a nation, if we were to come together and humble ourselves before our, our Lord, to humble ourselves and, and seek repentance before the throne, our Father would grant us something miraculous. But until then, that remnant has to continue to fight. We have to pray into the strongholds. We have to work with the individuals. We have to spread, spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we have to put ourselves before the throne to pray mercy for this nation. Because where we are right now is still deeply corrupted. And it's not just the elites, which are easy to identify. It's the moral root of this nation that has to be reset because that's how we truly get things back on track. Once the moral root is reset, we go back to a sense of walking in the purity of what God intends us to walk. We will see big changes, but we don't get to have things both ways. We have to start making some hard shifts. And perhaps for some that sounds very fundamental or fundamentalists, and maybe it is. But we've gone so far adrift into one way, we don't get to come back into some moderate, easy way. The next steps are going to be harsh. They're going to be rough. 
because we have to reset not just a nation, but the generations to come. And we're competing against a, a leviathan of corruption that surround us and does everything it can to pervert the children and take them away from God. So we have to hold the line. We are truly, as a, as a collective group, not just Bard's nation, but as a collective group of remnant, we are truly the last hope for this nation. And that hope is rooted in our love in Jesus and the gospel. So let's take it to the streets. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We're at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I will see you tonight for Bards FM. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs, and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who moved forward and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country.
old evil that has waited thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words, in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath.